Welcome to the Druids Grove, where we discuss all things related to Druids, their history, current day practices, and how to build a deeper connection and relationship with the earth. I'm so glad you're here. If you find what I have to share helpful, please subscribe and share with others that may enjoy it, and check the show notes for more information. Come on in, relax for a bit, and I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Druids Grove. Last time we talked about the Wheel of the Year. Today we are going to talk about my favorite time of the year and probably a lot of other people's favorite time of the year and other people may not like it at all. We're going to be talking about Samhain or Halloween. And the reason I did this, um, I did the Wheel of the Year so it could be followed by this one because I'm hoping to release it on the Monday before Halloween. Uh, so we talked about last episode, Samhain is how it's pronounced, but it has different spellings, S-A-M-H-A-N or S-A-M-H-E-I-N, there are various spellings. So Samhain is the the end and then the beginning of the Celtic cycle of the year. Um, as far as we know, it was first celebrated in Celtic practices. Again, Celtic just means the whole northwestern Europe area is kind of the whole Gaul area and Gallic people. It was first celebrated on record back to 2500 BC. It is one of the four fire festivals we mentioned in the last episode of Samhain, Imbolc, which is February 1st, Beltane or May Day, which is May the 1st, and Lunasad is August the 1st. So as we talked about, Samhain is a time that is considered a liminal space, so a space between two very different areas, uh, kind of an in-between time. It's a space between the end of one year and the beginning of the next year. Things are already dead or they are dying. Uh, The crops are all harvested. This is the last harvest festival, so this is the time the crops are all in and we are done harvesting things pretty much for the year. Everything is dying. Uh, There is a strong association with the ancestors and connecting with the ancestors and acknowledging them. You know, this is where the culture uh, or the tradition of Halloween comes in with ghosts and ghouls and, and other practices, ancestor veneration and worship, you know, such as the Day of the Dead in Mexico. Um, Christians also incorporated it into All Saints Day and All Hallows Eve. So November 1st is All Saints Day and All Hallows Eve is on October 31st. And the uh, there's some different ideas about where the concept of dressing up on Halloween came from, but Generally, it was about to scare off evil spirits. You know, there are evil spirits around, so if you dress up in a disguise, they can't tell who you are, so they might leave you alone. So, speaking of the liminal time of the year, it's said that this is a time of the year where the veil between worlds is the thinnest. It allows for crossing over between worlds. All of this sounds very abstract, doesn't sound like it makes any sense. Um, But the more you study Druidry or other pagan practices, you will kind of understand what this means and kind of um, appreciate it a little bit. Um, So in addition to that, this is also where the the idea and the tradition of trick-or-treating comes from. And trick-or-treating actually started in Ireland and Scotland, at least back in the 16th century. They called it guising, G-U-I-S-I-N-G. So they would put on costumes and put on a show for treats and candy and snacks and that kind of thing. Uh, it's also the idea that one of these, um, you know, ghastly people may be an ancestor coming to haunt you, so you better give them a treat or they will trick you and haunt you. That's another kind of idea where trick-or-treating came from. Another reference about it is about ancestor worship as well. So 
If the veil is thin, the ancestors, you can communicate with them and you can worship them and venerate them and thank them for their guidance and ask them to guide you over the next year. Uh, generally in paganism, um, specifically Wicca, um, you know, we talked last time about the uh, maiden, mother, and crone premise. Um, you know, you're born, you're a young lady, the year is young, there's the, the mother, the middle of the year, which is summer, and then there's old age or the crone phase, which is Samhain or Halloween. And again, the cycle of the year comes into play here. Um, this, so we are at the time of the crone. So if you think of a crone, you think of an older, bent over, haggardly woman with a stick, you know, and the concept of maybe a witch out in the woods, the, that, you know, that kind of association comes from. There are various goddesses associated with this time of year. Uh, typically, they're all female. Uh, the Morrigan, M-O-R-R-I-G-A-N. She is a she is a Celtic goddess of war, battle, fate, and death, and she could shapeshift into a crow. Another goddess is Hecate, H-E-C-A-T-E. She is the goddess of the crossroads. So again, we're at a liminal space where two different paths are on each side, and we're at a crossroads deciding which way to go. She kind of stands at the junction between the dead and the living, and she is a goddess of magic. She is connected to the physical world, the spiritual world, and the underworld, and she can go back and forth between them all. Another goddess is the Kaliech. I'm pronouncing that wrong, I'm sure. <laughs> but it is, uh, if I'm spelling it correctly, C-A-L-L-I-E-A-C-H. Uh, she takes over the seasons at this time. So there's like a transitional period. She takes over the season of death until Beltane, which is May Day in May, when Bridget takes over. Um, Bridget is involved in Imbolc, but she, her and Cernunos come together at Beltane, so that's when she kind of take, really takes over. So from um, this time until Beltane or May Day, the Kaliach is in charge. She is, she is about death and you know withering away and that kind of thing. And then Bridget comes back and brings life back to the earth. So the Kaliach, she, uh, she would herd up deer she, to, to kind of protect them and keep them alive over the winter. She killed the crops off. She froze the earth. Uh, she made everything die. So again, we're back to kind of the cycle of the year and looking at mythological ways to explain it. So the ancient Celts celebrated the end of the harvest and the end of the year with like big bonfires. Um, they would, that's why it's called a fire festival. Um, they would burn all the dead crops. Um, they would burn the bones of harvested animals. So they would take the animals that they knew weren't going to survive during the winter and they would harvest them and dry their meat. And then the bones that were left over, they would throw them into the, these bonfires and, and have huge bonfires as a, a form of celebration and appreciation and thanking them for, for giving their sacrifice. Uh, this was also a time of the year where typically back then it was difficult to get a fire started. So people kept fires going all the time. And Samhain was a time of year since it was the end of one year, beginning of next, they would extinguish the fires in the home and everyone would come to the big bonfire in town or in their their area and, and gather some coals and some fire from that and take it to their home hearth and start a new fire from the big bonfire. So it was kind of also symbolic of moving from one year to the next, um, you know, and, and bringing everyone together as a community over this next winter, you know, because we're heading into winter. We all need to stick together. We all come together to get this fire of life and to sustain us through winter. Another part, uh, another idea of fire was kind of the attempt to summon the sun. You know, the sun was noticeably waning at this time of the year. The days are getting darker and shorter. 
uh, night is getting longer. So it was very important to have fire and light. So it was like this symbolic, um, you know, we're, we're protesting to the sun. You know, we need, we need more light and we're going to keep celebrating you through the winter until you come back for us and we need you. Um, they also thought at this time of year that the forces of the underworld were going to come and walk the earth in the coming darkness of winter. You know, so they built these big, great bonfires and honored the dead to keep them from coming to harm them. Because, you know, back then there's no, there's no power lines and lights and, you know, cars with headlights and lanterns and, you know, that kind of thing. So to get outside at night, you know, in these long days where it's dark for 14 hours a day or whatever, or even longer, the further north you go, um, it was a very scary place. And, you know, they believed in the spirits back then and they wanted to protect themselves. So they built these great big bonfires and that was a way to kind of, again, kind of provide light to the area. Um, they believe that the night was when a new day begins. So in, in Celtic kind of time frames, um, the day does not begin at daylight. The day begins the night before because when daylight ends, that is technically the end of that day. So now it's dark and we are beginning. This is the, the, this is the beginning of the next day. So it's kind of like, the, again, we talked about liminal spaces and incubation periods like at, at Yule or, you know, in the winter, that's an incubation period before the new light comes on. So nighttime is the beginning of a new day. So they celebrated Samhain at night, which is the night before the daylight part of the day. Samhain was not celebrated during the day. It was at night because now we're moving into this next day. So also at this time, um, an idea was, you know, not only the dead were walking, um, but or spirits were walking, but that veil between all worlds was thinner. So it wasn't just the the veil between ourselves and the ancestors. It was between all worlds. And in Druidry and many pagan practices, there's this concept of there being many different worlds that we cannot see. So for instance, the fae, the fae or the fairy, um, or perhaps the world between the spirits of uh, earth, uh, the elements, the trees, the plants, the animals, you know, just because we are not capable of visually seeing and physically hearing and connecting with these things, it doesn't mean they're not there. It just means that our senses are not available to them. So this was a time when the veil between all worlds were thinned. And they say that more more spirits of the fey folk or the fey world or other worlds were also more likely to be encountered. And if you look into kind of mythology about the fey folk, F-A-E, fey folk or fairies, they were typically not someone you would want to interact with or mess with because they are kind of considered tricksters. So people would give them offerings and leave things outside so that they would stay outside their home. Um, typically on Sal, when people stayed home and they did not go out other than, you know, they would go do the bonfire, get their fire, maybe do the little, you know, dressing up trick or treat, honor the ancestors, and then they would go home and then they would lock the windows and start to shut their doors because then and, and leave, uh, that's another idea of where the trick or treating came from. They would leave treats outside the home. Kind of like people do, they would put a bowl of candy outside for kids and just shut the door and they don't want to, you know, they don't want to deal with it. But the, the, the old idea came from leaving treats outside the home so if people you know these fey folk or people of the other world came to your home you didn't have to interact with them they could you're, you're honoring them you're respecting them you're giving them uh blessings and you're saying just please leave me alone here's some food um don't don't bother me <laughs> um so speaking of liminal spaces um at this time of year 
actual physical liminal spaces were also areas that were avoided. You know, transitional spaces like uh, crossroads or bridges or any area of change. So going from like the you know, uh, a crop, a field, you know, in the woods, they would, they would not venture into the woods. They would just kind of stick to the area they were in and not get out too much. Um, graveyards were another place that were kind of a big no, no. Um, because again, um, the spirits of the ancestors and the dead were more likely to cross over and be, uh, accessed, but there were people that were brave enough to go to a graveyard. And one of the things they would do is they would go to the graveyard at midnight and walk three times around the graves. And it was said that if they did this, they would be offered a glimpse into the future. However, they would run the risk of meeting one of these, um, you know, these ancestors or ghouls or ghosts or the devil, for instance. Um, it also uh, kind of preserves the idea uh, in many in many Celtic rituals, um, they, they walk three times sunwise. It's called three times sunwise in a circle. Uh, around the ceremonial space or the ritual space. So that, that's kind of where that ties in as well to the Celtic practices. So that's just kind of a brief um, summary of about, about Samhain. And um, like I said, it's one of my favorite times of the year. It's a time of change, a time of transition, um, you know, honoring the ancestors. And again, the veil is open and, you know, pay attention to things around you. So you know, as we come up and approach Samhain, you know, go out and start a bonfire, honor your ancestors, but watch your back, stay inside, you know, don't venture too far away, avoid those liminal spaces, do not go to the graveyard and walk three times around a grave unless you just want to want to risk it, um, you know, and then I'll be doing another episode um, about Yule or Albin Arthen or the winter solstice as we get closer to that time of year, but in the meantime, I will have some other episodes up until then, and I hope you enjoyed, and thank you for listening. River of Life Ethereal liminal vapor coalescing The one become many until Mother Earth says it's time. From its pillowy soft home, it lands on firm ground. The arrow of time, the strength of gravity, and other forces direct its path now. Entropy brings together, pushes apart. Progressive chaos attempting to restore original balance. From a small creek or rivulet growing into a fully grown river, the path is chosen. Dare adventure outside its banks. Gently flowing or raging rapids, crystal clear or full of debris, time and direction continue unrestricted. An eventual return to the source, where one is in all, and all is in the one. You are a drop, a wave, an entire ocean simultaneously. Evaporation, dissipation, begin anew. Thank you so much for joining in at the Druid's Grove. I thoroughly enjoyed sharing this time and information with you. I hope you learned something and are inspired to build a connection to the earth and the world around you. If you liked what was shared, please feel free to give back at Buy Me a Coffee. Join me on Substack, where I have transcripts, or listen on YouTube, and find the group on social media. For more information, check the show notes. I'll see you in the Grove. Until next time.